This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. In the West, what's happening is they're redefining Christianity as love without truth. And the world hates the truth. Why does the world hate the truth? Let me say it in one word. And this, let this just grind down into the deepest part of your mind. Christ. Christ was the reason. And if you're going to be persecuted, don't be persecuted because of your identification with some political party. Be persecuted because of Christ. Christ alone. Now, why does Christ bring persecution? Well, the world hates Christ. The world hates the biblical Christ. The world laughs at the Christ of most of contemporary evangelicalism. This effeminate sort of savior who is not the savior but a savior and a teacher and loves everyone without judgment without truth the christ of modern day evangelicalism is just laughed at whenever we lower who christ is it doesn't impress the world it gives them just more grounds to laugh and then the liberal over here well they love his christ because it's nothing more than an idol A figment of man's imagination. Man simply creates Christ in his own image and then he worships the image he's made. But make no mistake about it, if you preach the biblical Christ, there will be persecution. Not only outside the doors of the church, but even inside the doors of the church. Because so much of the world is in the church. And so much of the world is in the church because the preachers aren't preaching truth. This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. I love the words course correction, and I don't know why, because sometimes course correction isn't exactly pleasant. Something's being pointed out you need to change, but I ran across a scripture verse not too long ago that made me stop to think, maybe there needs to be a course correction, not only in me, but perhaps even in the church. And here's the verse. It's out of 1 Corinthians 1.17. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not and this is what caught me, and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. For some reason, that just grabbed me, and I thought, is there a need for a course correction in me or even in some of the churches that I attend and member of one? You know, Jesus did say that the world would resemble the days of Noah before he returns, and those days would become an era when confusion and spiritual darkness would prevail. My inquiry today has to do with how ministry must change to resist the direction that culture is drifting, including how the Christian culture has drifted and changed, affecting the way the gospel is presented. 
Well, with me today is Senior Pastor Neil Rich. He's the Senior Pastor of Cedar Valley Church in Bloomington, Minnesota, and Sean Morrison, a former pastor and now Executive Director of Good in the Hood. So, gentlemen, recently, just this past Sunday, I was sitting in church and realized how nice and successful we were as a church. But what was missing was there was a sense of there was not a lot of power. And it almost seemed like we said all the right things. I looked around and saw that we had prospered with people. Sanctuary was full. Ministry tools were in operation. Buildings were well kept. But something just didn't feel quite right. The next day, I read Revelation 2, verses 1 through 17, realizing our church may be guilty of losing our first love. Has that ever happened to you, Pastor Neil or Pastor Sean, that you're somehow in church, maybe you're preaching a message, all of a sudden there's something seemingly missing? That's just a you thing. (laughs) You're on your own. Thanks, Pastor Neil. I appreciate that. It is a great question. Let me just say this, too. It's funny when when I talk to our missionaries when they're here in town, and and I just remember a few of them have told me, you know, where I live, in my country where I live, people don't recognize Christianity, American Christianity. Hmm. They don't get it. They don't recognize it. And, And I wonder about that, and I'll just kind of say this in my own vernacular, but I wonder if the great mission, you know, the, the great commission has become put on a kick butt show. Mm-hmm. Is that the mm-hmm. mission of the church today? Listen, I'm all for we have great musicians and we want to pursue excellence. And I, I'm saying all of that. Right. But, but man, just like the American audiences is such consumers. We're consumers first. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have a great point, And I, I think that's I think you're spot on. Well, I wondered because when that verse out of the second chapter of Revelation has to do with the church of Ephesus, and they were doing everything right, yet they left their first love. It seems as if the church has become, you said, kicking butt. You know, it's become more about us than him. Sean, what do you think of that? Uh, I would agree. I think we are more concerned about making sure Jesus is popular rather than really recognizing maybe that Jesus is holy. And, And that's not to, you know, make Jesus harsh. But we're so sensitive to any message about the fear of the Lord or suffering or sacrifice. When I grew up, we were at the mercy of God looking to be accepted. Now it's almost like God's at the mercy of people looking to be accepted. And I think we've reversed that. I always like to say it this way. And I know, Pastor Neil, you, you preached on this recently about the second greatest commandment, which is really, you know, almost equal to that first. But sometimes we forget the first part. And yeah, we, yeah. we try to become only horizontal and forget the vertical aspect. And I'll just say this, man, in real time, it was only about three months ago, where in my own quiet time, God just really convicted me. You know what? You're trying to make me cool. Yeah. Mm. I, don't, I don't need you to make me cool. Yeah. Like, I'm God. You don't need to make me palatable. You, I, I heard that very clear about three months ago. You're trying to get people to like me. I don't need you to do that, you know? And uh, that was real. But but don't you think, Pastor Uh, Neil, that when people come to church, they're expecting something like that? I mean, (sighs) what what are they expecting from you? Aren't you going to put on a good show for us? Such a great question. Because again, Americans, we're, we're bred as consumers, right? And listen, I grew up, I mean, we would all say probably we grew up in that in the church growth era, right? Yep. Where and listen, I grew up in a church that seats five thousand, right? Like our our sanctuary here seats seventeen fifty. Okay, this is the smallest church I've ever gone to. So 
I grew up in a big church, church seats 5,000. It was on TV all across the state, and it, and it was just exploding. It was boom, and it was boom, right? And listen, we kind of cater to that consumer mentality of individuals. And I, would, I don't always say that's necessarily with bad intentions. I mean, we want people to come to know Christ, and so we want to reach them somewhere to where they're at. But man, when you say, what do people expect? I, a little bit, don't they? Don't they expect a little bit of a like, hey, tickle me? Yeah. Like, that's just the American. Now, it's, it's not our job to necessarily placate that. I'm not, I'm not advocating that, right? But when you say, what do they expect? I think our own people, our own people kind of have a little expectation of that. Like, hey, you know, Sean, you know how this is. Like, hey, I didn't really like that song that they sang today. Like, that's not my style, or that's too old, or that's too young. And, and we're such consumers. We forget that Jesus didn't necessarily promise us a better journey. He did promise a better destination. And we're expecting that journey to be without any suffering, without any sacrifice. And it, it'll be blessed. But it's going to be blessed because we become part of what we talked a little earlier about the mission. We call it commission. I like to call it co-mission because yeah. it's a cooperative, collective mission that he invites yeah. us to be part of. And that means we sometimes will share his blessings. We'll also share his sufferings. We share the journey. Like that's the church. The American church is a different animal. Yes. And I heard Francis Chan talking not too long ago how he was in China and he was talking to some Chinese people and they were Chinese believers. And, and he was just talking to them about their lives as Christians and how they suffered right. and blah, 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 blah. And he was talking to them about Americans. And they're like, you, you're kidding us, right? No, no, no. Quit, quit joking around. Like, you're kidding us. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, people won't go to church if the pastor they really like, if he's not <laughs> preaching that day. They're like, no, no, man, you, you are kidding us, right? Like, they wouldn't believe it. It, it becomes a celebrity show versus actually a community of people growing together to be more Christ-like. But the culture of the church sort of has been geared that way for a long time. But I'm wondering as pastors, as shepherds, as you begin to prepare a message, whatever theme it is, you have to ask yourself this question, is this really going to sell today? Is this going to draw <laughs> yeah. people in because, you know, if you're going to talk about suffering, for example, that's not a Sunday morning message. I agree. I will say this. I'm wondering if there's a generation coming that says, hey, I don't want you to soft sell it to me. Like, yeah. tell me for real. How is this? And, and sometimes, quite honestly, I found like we've done series called Crucial Conversations. This is a series that we did where we had those really hard, difficult conversations about what, what really is biblical sexuality, you know, and. And we've had hard conversations about race. And to be perfectly honest, it's not the reason we did it, but it seems to draw. Like, I'm wondering if people are like, I'm tired of pussyfooting around this. I don't, I don't want you to sugarcoat this. Like, I want to hear it for real. I agree. And, and I think, by the way, I think Pastor Neil does a great job bringing difficult topics mm-hmm. to the pulpit and handling them in a way that doesn't become too harsh and angry, mm-hmm. nor does it become soft soaping it. You know, there's a, there's a sensitivity with truth, tr- you know, grace and truth. I grew up in playing football and I remember a quarterback, he had an accuracy, but he would throw the pass to the receivers so hard they couldn't catch it. And we used to tell him, we'd say, you know, we're not pro receivers. And I think sometimes that's what we do is we uh, deliver the pass of truth too harsh. And sometimes maybe our society has, the bar has been lowered for them to receive a message on the fear of the Lord or on sacrifice, on suffering. So we have to be aware of what we're 
dealing with. And we have to become more skillful and maybe more, you know, absorbed in God's grace to be able to deliver a message that speaks truth that still can be received because otherwise the past gets dropped yeah. anyway. So when you say that, right? So then I always think, I go, John chapter eight, this is the woman, which is, it always cracks me up. It's the yeah. woman caught in adultery, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, takes two. Guys, yeah. Right? Yeah. Where's, the, where's the guy? And so this woman's caught in adultery and they're all ready to stone her. Just before that, it talked about Christ as the fullness of grace and truth. The fullness. He's not the balance of. I wonder yeah. if too oftentimes we've, we've tried to balance grace and truth. Well, you know what? They haven't had enough truth lately, so I'm going to barrel down with some truth here. <laughs> oh, you know, they've had too much truth. I'm going to lighten up, and I'm going to give them yeah. some more grace. And Jesus just walks up and he says, oh, let's do that. Let's, let's get this gal mm-hmm. stoned. Let's do it, everybody. I'll tell you what. Let's start it this way. The guy who hasn't sinned, you throw the first stone. Well, of course, there we you know go. everybody walks away. Jesus says, where are those who condemn you? And yep. she says, there aren't any. And he says, well, neither do I. Yeah. Now, what was that? Yeah. Well, that's grace. But he doesn't stop there. And he goes, hey, but here's the deal, lady. You got to knock this stuff off, right? Yep. Go and sin no more. What's that? Yep. That's truth. Jesus, the fullness of both. He's not trying to balance. And I wonder if we, I wonder if the church kind of gained a reputation where we were, we were heavy on the truth side. And then, and then we know this. We know that there's a faction of the church that's just gone way heavy on the grace side, and we don't want to call anything sin, yep. right? What if we really were the fullness of both? That's a, that's a full gospel. Good point, Pastor Neil. But let me ask you this. As a pastor, what's your overarching goal? I mean, what yeah. are you after? So I would say this. Well, this is going to sound like a really churchy answer. I want people to encounter mm-hmm. God himself. I want people to encounter the presence of God. That's what changes people. Amen. But when I say, okay, how do I prepare myself? What I always want to do is I want to try to contextualize the gospel. In other words, here's what the gospel looks like. Now, we take those teachings, right, and we, and we say, what does the gospel look like? And for me specifically, I say, what does the gospel look like in Bloomington, Minnesota in 2022? How does that look right now? I want people to be able to read a text that was written 2,000 or 3,000 years ago, you know, and go, right on, okay, I see what that means in my life today. That, that stuff translates, and, and that's our job is to say, how does it translate? I'm a 50-year-old white male living in Bloomington, married, like, what does that look like today? And can you contextualize? I, I think that's the goal. And, you know, you said it earlier, when we encounter him, yes. everything changes. And yes. we so often preach doctrine, and that doctrine's a teaching, but we forget theology is the study of him. Yes. And, God. and we, we often forget, to, we need to study the person. We need to really get to know him. You know, you remember Moses, he encountered him face to face. Israel didn't want to do that. They wanted to go, you know, secondhand revelation. We yes. need to help people have first person revelation. Before we hopped on this meeting, I was meeting with our lead worship pastor. And, and periodically, we just have a, in the middle of a week, we'll just have a just worship night. It's just worship. That's all we do. And she said, I just want to make sure I'm tracking with you right. Like, what is it you want? Like on that worship, like, what do you want? And I said, well, listen, I, I want our team to be there and I want them to, to, to lead and worship. But ultimately what I want, man, I, let's create an environment yeah. where people can just encounter the very mm-hmm. presence of God. That stuff is life-changing. It's a culture of saturation in the presence of God. Yes. And that changes. And, you know, in our modern day society, sometimes, you know, you reference that we may have, you know, preached too much truth and, and then we want to counterbalance that with grace and it gets, it, it gets to be a teeter-totter. 
But I think grace and truth is just roll your sleeves up and hug somebody and love on them and Amen. show them Jesus is real to you. And then they want what you have. And, and then they, it moves them upward to look up. And I think so often we're, we're teaching their brain, but not really saturating them in community of, of God's grace I mean, and love. Wasn't that first century strategy? Like they didn't have yeah. a strategy. Absolutely. Let's, just, let's just do this, man. Let's just live out the gospel. Let's live such radically different lives. Yes. And people are like, man, that stuff's cool. What is that you got? And they're like, this yeah. is Jesus. And then mm-hmm. it was like, why don't you just come and come with us? Yes. You know, and, and their response was just like, yes, I will. Mm-hmm. I would like me some of that. And we like to say it in Good in the Hood. We go, we don't want to do for people. We want to do with people. And we love partnering with Cedar Valley because they get that. They they want to roll up their sleeves and be a part of that and, and show them they're not just in a community, that, they're, that Cedar Valley's for a community. That's good. You know, when I was coming up in the church, I remember that most of the preachers and I'm just going to be honest here, pastors. Yeah. But when I was coming up, these gentlemen were men of conviction. When I yes. walked out of that church service, I was convicted about something. Yep. And today I walk out and I go, hmm, I could have slept in. I hate to say it that way, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's no conviction in much of what we talk about. We talk a yeah, lot, yeah. but the conviction part, and I think that's what Paul was saying, cross of Christ would lose its power. That's where the yeah. conviction comes, right and that yeah. oftentimes is missing. So you make me think of a funny story. So I, I was a longtime cyclist, right? Did mm-hmm. a lot of cycling, and I was taking spinning classes you know, at the gym, so I start teaching, and I, and I was teaching classes for 20, 25 years. One of the things that would just bite me the worst is you give folks just a killer workout, right? Mm-hmm. And they walk up to you after class and they go, hey, that was really nice. <laughs> I'm like, nice. And I feel a little of that sometimes. Like, that's one of those things that you just don't want to hear after a sermon. Or like, hey, that was nice. I'm looking for nice, right? And, and right. I think a little of that is what mm-hmm. you're saying. I, I don't know this. So I'm just going to, I'm thinking out loud. I, I'm a verbal processor, right? Sure, sure. So I wonder about this a little bit. For instance, I read in the in the morning paper the other day. We're old enough at our house we get the morning paper. Yeah. And so I read in the paper the other day, Coach Zimmer for the Vikings got fired. And they talk about what was the beginning of the end and how that all worked for him. And he and Spielman, the GM, both lost their jobs. And they were both coaches' kids. And mm-hmm. you know, they're Spielman's a little older too. And they've talked about the fact that they're out of touch with this era. And I remember as a kid growing up playing basketball, play basketball through college, Bob Knight was the icon mm-hmm. of that time. And for those of you who are my age, Sean, you remember this, was famous for a tirade. And he would just go off. And guess what? Athletes of that day just took it. Now, here's what everybody knows. Bob Knight lost his job for a number of reasons, but athletes don't relate to that anymore. And he couldn't recruit two superstars because the superstars of this era won't deal with that. Right on. I don't know, Larry, when you ask me that, is that an era thing where this era just thinks so differently and and they don't want it communicated like that so i'm 100 percent with you because i grew up in that era and i'm like brother give me some conviction like but but how do we communicate that again it's a great point it's a great i absolutely don't have an answer but i will say are we just trying to be too friendly are we afraid to tell Mm -hmm. the truth Yeah, let me give you a for instance. This past week was a hard one for me because there were three colleagues that I talked to that they didn't understand salvation. And one of Mm -hmm. them has been in the ministry for over 20 years and came to the conclusion that he wasn't sure that he was even saved. And I'm going, what? And these folks have sat in church, you know, hour after hour, week after week, year after year for many years. And I'm going, what is going on? I used to say this, my theory 
is what I say. My theology is what I do. Yeah, right. Because that's the stuff that you're actually integrating into your life. And I think what's happened in this society is there's a couple things that are, one that's good is we've learned how to deliver a message that is not just offensive just because we have the pulpit. We're not just yelling at people, but I think people's expectations have shifted. And so we're aware of that. And so when we speak something that has conviction, we really have to have word of the Lord. We can't yeah. just have something that we're angry about something, we're offended, and we bring a soulishness to Great it. Great point, man. We need to bring a spirit-led message yeah. and a yeah. spirit-led demeanor to the pulpit. And that's a big difference because a lot of people that's push their great. soul, but not the spirit of God. Man, I just wrote that down. That That's really good. <laughs> that's really good. Hey, John, you're going to get some credit, huh? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Give the, give the Lord credit. How's, how's that? Yeah. <laughs> when you evaluate where you're headed in your own spiritual life as a person, what do you gauge it against? Do you ever come across the Lord saying you need a course correction? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and and that's what I think. I think Sean, you alluded to this earlier. That's that's that like that's like not just having a devotion. That's spending time in the presence of the Lord. That that's what that is. And, and we engage in the Word, and then the Holy Spirit just just goes to work in our life. So when you ask me how, you know, I, I certainly don't have a metric. There's certainly no metric. But man, you, you know the difference. And listen, if we're all really honest, I don't have a burning bush experience every day. You know what I'm saying? I, now, for me, I probably have them because I'm a pastor. I probably have them on six days a week. But I, you know, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. But, but I'm just saying, you know, when you've met with God, you know, when you've heard from the Holy Spirit. Look, man, the last I don't know, two weeks I've been just reading through and meditating through the book of James. And it's been a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've been digging to the woodshed just a little bit and talking to me about how I am at home and what are what are my real ambitions. You're like, you know that. That that's not just like a devote. That's that's the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, I just come off a prayer retreat and I usually do about mm. an eight to ten day retreat all by myself. You know, when I go to those retreats, you know, you know, sometimes all all year you feel like you're sipping mud puddles and so finally you get to drink from a well. The problem is now it's like you're looking in a mirror. You're not looking at everybody else and what they're doing wrong. You have one person to look at and the Holy Spirit and thing about conviction that's different than condemnation. It's condemnation gives you a general heaviness but you have no clarity conviction is clear you know what you yeah. are doing that yeah. is wrong and, and it's clear I'll, I'll never forget i had a friend one day i was grumbling about something and this is probably 15 years ago it was something i was grumbling about somebody was doing something to that was i thought offensive and uh finally he just stopped after he listened to me vent for a little bit and he goes you're kind of a butthead aren't you <laughs> <laughs> brother don't beat around the bush just come on say it exactly i was wow. like i i go you know what you're right it stopped me dead in my tracks mm. the holy spirit was speaking through him using language that was you know would sound harsh but when you know when you realize you're under conviction that harshness doesn't hurt oh, it, wow. it, it doesn't offend maybe i'll say it this way it doesn't harm it might it might hurt your flesh but it doesn't harm you you mm. feel like yeah. it's right and it's specific you know exactly what you got to deal with where uh you know somebody just lays a load on you of, of, of condemnation and you, and you just feel heavy and oppressed and you have no yeah. clue what to do and you have no clarity. That's good. So in conclusion today, gentlemen, what kind of resets do you see in 2022? What are things that you sense that have to change, not just because of COVID, but just in general? Where do we have to go to make 
this gospel very clear to people and be successful in proclaiming it. I really believe today in the American church there needs to be a reformation. Like, I love the church, and and I'm not comparing myself to Martin Luther, but, you know, Martin Luther didn't want to leave the church. Mm -hmm. He said, fellas, this has got to change. And they said, no, you can't stay. And, and, And I just feel like, man... In the American church, so, so much of the American church has become a pawn for political parties. We become political mm-hmm. puppets, and no one wants to admit that. And that is, it, from my vantage point, it's just as true as true can be. We've sold our souls to the political parties, man. Let's have reformation. What would that look like? Let's make disciples. Previously, we talked about the church growth era and the that whole movement. We began to, to, to understand the great, what Sean would call the great commission as mm-hmm go and make converts. Yeah. And especially in the evangelical church, which listen, brother, I'm proud to call myself an evangelical. It is not a political statement. I would say our church is considered an evangelical church. But in the evangelical church in particular, I will say, and I love it, but I would say if I was going to say something critical, I would say we have come to believe that the great commission is go and make converts. And so all I got to do is invite my friends to this event. You're going to hear some great music. That's why you want to come. Don't worry. And then right toward the end of the program, they're going to turn the lights out. We're all going to bow our heads and ask Jesus into their heart. Nowhere in the New Testament did anyone ask Jesus into their heart. What they did is they surrendered their life and they chose to become a disciple of Christ. And they lived their life that way, right? So I I think we have to get back to that. Let's make disciples. Let's be disciples, man. I'm all for you surrender your life to Jesus. And that's part of the discipleship process. But it's it's early in the stage. It's just early. There's so much beyond that. So I, I think we've got to get to that point. I agree with that. We have converting people's convenient. For sure. Making disciples means you might have to take them into your home. Ouch. We have a ministry of convenience and we want to hear God when when everything's going well, but do we hear God when things aren't going well and we have to trust him through trial? And it's both and. I don't think it's either or. I asked our congregation this once. I said, you know, so often I said the uh, prayers don't get answered because most of the time we spend praying for ourselves and God's not interested in helping us be more self-centered. <laughs> I do not pray for themselves for 30 days. And some it wow. was a life-changing experience. Mm. It was fasting from self-prayer and just trusting God to meet your needs and you pray for everyone else. One day I'll just to close with this, I was just praising the Lord and worshiping and, and thinking on him and felt like the Lord put on my heart that he goes, Sean, I want to mortally wound you. Hey, I want I want you to you know really go to that place of dying to self. Hmm. And I was in my mind immediately, I thought, well, that, that's okay because I'm pretty close to that. And then, then all of a sudden, this, this thought crossed in like a three-dimensional thought. And it says, but up to now, you've only had a paper cut in comparison. Mm. Oh, I just wow. about dropped over. I was like, I'm like, I got to go 100 levels deep and I'm at level one elementary preschool. That's what yeah, conviction yeah. does. It's when God relates to you and it changes you and you're not offended by it, you're actually, you're challenged and hopefully it drives you deeper. And, and we need to do that in community, not just as yeah. individuals. Oh, right on. We've gotten into meology and not theology, and, and I think we've lost the community in many ways. We heard people to a building, and we say that's we're going to church, but the church goes with us. How do we, we say do? this all the time. Look at all the pronouns in the New Testament. Yes. Us, we, our, their, plural pronouns. Can I just say this, and I really appreciate Son, Sean just clearing up my schedule and saving me a lot of time every week, because I no longer have to spend much time in prayer, because I pretty much just pray for myself. So you just, just save me some time right there. 
Well, thanks, gentlemen. It's been really interesting to have this conversation with you today about course correction and about some of the resets that perhaps that need to happen within the church. Again, thanks for joining us for the City Sides podcast. The Bible teaches that nothing will ever change until the heart changes. The only way the heart changes is when God shows up and makes that change. When God is involved in a person's life, anything is possible. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. <laughs>